Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. I came here on the marching orders of your leadership. And they specifically asked that I speak on the topic, our hope in Christ. Within the next 30 to 45 minutes, I will seek to match myself within these orders that have been given. Can we share a word of prayer? Our Lord and Master, we are grateful that we are a peculiar people you have purchased with your blood. We are a chosen nation, a royal priesthood, a people who have been called out to declare your praise and glory. And this morning with thanksgiving, we are gathered in your presence. May your words descend as rain on moon felt. May it descend as a message of hope that will cause us to go out knowing that we are more than conquerors. Thank you for the living hope of Jesus Christ. May that hope cause us to be a people who will take command of the highs of this country and on any grounds that you set us. Thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hope in Christ. We will be transacting this spiritual business from the book of First Peter chapter 1 verses 3 to 5. Let me kindly read it for our attention. From the New International Version. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Can we have this read for us from the New King James Version? Or failing that the King James Version? Can somebody read that for us? Let's speak to chapter 1, verse 3 to 5. 
Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that's faded not away, reserved in heaven for you. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen. Amen. In this world, we can live without many things. In fact, you can go throughout the whole of your lifetime without sex and have nothing happen to you. Have I made a statement? You can stay 75 days without food and still survive. You can go 10 days without water and still be alive and kicking. What you cannot do without in this world is hope. You see, every single human being you have ever laid eyes on is a creature of hope. Nearly everything that we do is motivated by some form of hope somewhere along the line. Why do we go to the university? Why do we come to the university? Why do we wake up every early morning rushing to work? Why do you go on a date? The answer is simple. It is because of hope. Hope that these activities will propel us into a better future. Just think of it. You finished JSS. You went to senior secondary school. Some people stopped and started working. You have come to the university to do your first degree. Some people might not even stop. They will go on to do their second degree without working while colleagues have stopped and are working. Why will you continue in school without on a paltry allowance with little salary in straightening circumstances? It is because you have hope that come a future time, the price that you would translate into a future that overruns what your friends who stopped early to work have at any moment of their life. Why do you go on a date? Because you have hope that you find either a friend or a partner for life. So virtually everything we have in the world runs on the currency of hope. 
One thing I say about every leader is that a leader is a dealer in hope. To lead people, you don't have to give them anything. You don't have to give them hard cash. You don't have to give them houses. You only need to give them hope that there is a certain promised land. And that when they reach that promised land, it will be a land of milk and honey. And that all their struggles and their sacrifices will pay off. So year after year, we find political leaders standing on the podium, all the virtues of their governance and how they will take us to a promised land. Whether they are able to take us there or not is another matter altogether. A horse of a different color. We'll talk about that later. But every leader is a dealer in hope. If you cannot give people hope, you cannot lead them. You must always make them feel that tomorrow will be better than today. And give them proof of it. So our passage then says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be released in the last time or the end times. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't bless God as givers. You know, when somebody says, I want to bless you, it implies he wants to give you something. And every good and perfect gift comes from God. He is the first giver. But when this passage is telling us to bless God or bless the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is asking us to come before him in worshipful thanksgiving. Thanksgiving because he has done a number of things for us. Those things that were given to us were not given to us on the basis of what we have done or what we have earned, but on the basis of his great mercy. He saved us, not because of any righteous things we have done, but because of his own mercy. None of us here can earn what God gives. No one is righteous. No, not one. The heart is deceitful beyond understanding. It has no cure. Even the purest person on earth cannot stand on the scale of God's judgment and come out unscathed. So everything that we have is based on his mercy and grace. So when you get up, the first thing to do is to bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ 
for his mercy and for his grace. If God were to deal with us as we deserve, none of us could have stood before him. But every day, knowing who we are, how fragile, friable we are, he makes sure, he makes sure that before the morning dawns, there is sufficient mercy and grace to take you through the day. He's great in compassion. His compassion never fails. Great is his faithfulness. Amen. Why are we to bless God? Let me just recount four terms. Because he's the father of endless mercy. Endless mercy. Because of his mercy, we are not consumed. Because of his mercy, we are able to come before the throne room day after day to receive grace for every need of our lives. Secondly, we bless God because he has caused us to be born again not of natural descent, not of a human will or a husband's desire, but born of God into the family of God. Once we were separate from God, we were outside the commonwealth of Israel. We were called Gentiles and uncircumcised. We were not part of the covenant of promise. We were without God and without hope. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent a man, his son, under the law to redeem us who were under the law so that we will come into the heritage of sonship. Amen. You are not just a creature of God. You are not just a servant of God. Humbling as that looks, you are a child of the living God. The love that God has for you is no less than the love that he has for Jesus Christ. Until you believe that, you will miss a lot of good things in your life. You have been exalted and together with Christ, you are seated in that heavenly place. And all things are subject to you in the name of Jesus. You are no mere man. You are able to transform your circumstances. No matter how difficult a situation may be, if you recognize who you are in Christ, that you are born again, you are not the same person who was outside the commonwealth of Israel, but you are a child of promise and that you are able to do all things. The earlier you got to know this, the better your life will become. Amen. We bless God because he has given us immeasurable inheritance. And it is stored in heaven for us, awaiting the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you have to get to heaven before you enjoy the goodies of God. 
here on earth, if you are to believe what is in heaven, you must have a flavor of what God can do. I became a Christian born and brought up in the back of beyond, in the armpits of the Zongos. In fact, I'd never even traveled to Accra before, even though I was born in Winneba, passed through Accra, went up north. Accra looked so far away. And if you had asked me, at the time I was seeking the Lord, if you have asked me that, what do you want God to do for you? I would have just said, in those days, those very difficult days, well, I just wanted God to bring me to Accra and help me to find a chamber and a hall and maybe get a motorcycle or something like that and go back home. I would have been totally satisfied with that. But that is not how God has handled me. He has brought me before princes and kings. And when they see me, they bow. He has taken me across the lengths and breadth of this earth. Many of you are seated here and all that you desire is God give me a visa so that I'll go to the U.S. A miserable request by all means, looking at the God that we are dealing with. But I'll deem it a, a border. If someone said, here is a ticket. One time someone gave me a ticket for the U.S. I just said, oh, thank you very much. I don't feel like going anywhere. Here is your ticket. Take it back. It means nothing to me. I, I tire when I, I travel. So I'm not eager for that. It's the grace of God. He will do for you beyond your highest expectations. What you cannot imagine or measure or dream of. He's to able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond that. I stand here today as the president of Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International Ghana. Under me, I have Supreme Court judges. I have people who own millions and even billions. But if I order them to come, they will come. And if I instruct them, they will obey because of the fear of God. God will do for you exceedingly abundantly beyond all that you can think of. Amen. Amen. So when you get up, thank him. You may look like nothing now, but in you is an inheritance which will be actualized in heaven. But the first fruits of it will be demonstrated for you on earth if only you are willing and obedient. Amen. We are to bless the Father because he has given us a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. 
a living hope. Most of the hopes that we bank our future on in this earth unfortunately turn out to be dead hope. I remember as a young man when I was to marry somewhere in 1984. I was a teacher at a secondary school. In those very hard rolling sick days where your salary as a teacher never traveled more than half of the month and you had to survive on the largesse of gifts and things like that. My relations said, once you are going to marry, we know how difficult things are. When you are about to get married, just tell us. We will try and form ourselves into a cooperative society. Raise up some funds for you so that you can marry. When the time reached and I told them, they had nothing to offer me. Because the richest person in that family had put all her money in a bank called Cooperative Bank. And the bank had collapsed. And she herself now was a pauper of a sort. So how was she going to help me? And if I had put my hopes on her, clearly I would have been stranded high and dry. But I had been praying. And for months, I will walk out onto the field and start praying and telling God, if you made the heaven and the earth out of nothing, then you can make a wedding for me without anything in my hand. So I'm trusting you to make a wedding for me. One day, I went to, that was in Boko, I went to the hospital and I met a doctor a Swiss doctor who said, I've heard you are having a, a wedding and you have not even told me. Can you come and see me on Monday? So I went to see him on Monday. Let me reel back. I've learned not to tell people my challenges and to plead with them to help me. People cannot help me. God can to date, I don't take loans from the bank because God can. So I never told anybody I was in need of that money. When I went on Monday, he gave me an envelope full of Swiss francs. And when I changed that money, it could buy all my suiting, all that my wife wanted, all that I needed to feed over 200 people without that. As for those who put their trust in man, the day the breath of life is removed from them, 
all their power comes to an end. No human being can guarantee the certainty of his existence tomorrow. Nor even the existence of his position, status, and wealth. You can start the day as a prime minister and end it the next day as a prisoner. So all human hope is virtually dead hope. Those who trust in them will be like them. It is only God who gives living hope. And for us in Ghana, you need not com no convincing about that. I'm not a political creature. I don't belong to any political party. My fortunes are not tied to any government that comes in place. Whether it's PNDC, NDC, MPP, whatever, ZMZ, my fortunes are tied to the throne of grace. And the economy of Ghana does not determine my economy. My God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. We have lived here long enough to know that our governments thrive on a largesse of promises and of lifted hopes that never actualize. Maybe because you are young, you are not cynical because you have only gone through two or three or four governments. I was born before independence. So I knew all the promises that Nkrumah gave, that those who overthrew him gave, that the Bougia government gave, that the Liman government gave, that the Rollinstick era promised, that uh, Kufour gave, that you can name them. I've seen them all. And each of them have said that our economy is about to take off. The sad thing with each of them is that the plane of our economy that is taxiing to take off never ever takes off. Only a few months ago, we were bragging of our ability to run the economy. We cannot manage COVID, but we can manage the economy. And now, those who can manage the economy are going cap in hand to plead for IMF support. It is not about this government. It's about all governments. I'm just telling you that the hopes that we have seen in this country should tell you that more often than not, human hope is based on uncontrollables. I'll never put my hope in Biden. And if I won't put my hope in Biden, why would I put my hope in Nana Kufuadu? <laughs> but you see, God has given as birth, 
into a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. When you give people hope, you must demonstrate to them a flavor of the reality of that hope. If God says there is an inheritance who cannot fade, who cannot perish, waiting for me in heaven, he must demonstrate something on earth to tell me that that hope is bankable. So he demonstrated it with the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The first time anybody descended into Hades and came out alive. Because all power resides in him. He went there and demonstrated to Satan, that coward, that he's a tenant even in hell. Satan does not own hell. He's a tenant. He may pretend. He may make himself look like landlord about Jesus, but he has nothing. When you put your hope in Christ, it does not matter even if you lose your health, your wealth, your clout, your job, even your reputation. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness. We dare not uh, trust the sweetest frame but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Amen. He is coming back someday to straighten the mess of the world. I was listening to a, pro a prominent uh, presidential candidate of the MPP and he was saying we all believe in God. And we know that Jesus emanated from the Virgin Mary who is highly respected even in our religion. And we all believe that Jesus is coming back again to save us. And I said, forget it. Jesus is not coming back again as a baby in the manger. He's not coming back again as the humble lamb. He's coming back again as the conquering lion of the tribe of Judah. Negus Negusti, king of kings and lord of lords. All things will be subject to him. He will tread the fury of the wrath of God. He's the rider on the white horse who is called faithful and true. All his enemies shall be put to shame and you crush them into nothingness. For the kings of the earth are nothing before him. Hallelujah. He's coming to intervene in history to save the world, to keep us from destroying ourselves because God loves us. Human existence from the perspective of humans, it's in a collision course of common sense. We have exchanged the truth of God for a lie to such an extent that we 
are cut out as miserable, confused people. I just watched some idiot on the telly the other day. I think a white lady from Britain or somewhere like that. And she was saying the child that they have is neither he or she. That they want to live and now even don't know how to speak. Him or her. <laughs> to grow until he or she decides what, whether he's he or him. She or him. Wow. I can't get it. Having set aside God, we have become utter fools. We don't even make sense to ourselves. So the television presenter will say, how is that? I don't even get what you are saying. For someone in liberal Britain to say he doesn't get what you are saying means that you are actually an errant fool. The future of this world does not belong to the leftists nor the rightists, but to Jesus Christ. He is the one who is the ruler of the kings of the earth. All the problems we are struggling with under him, they will be resolved because he's the prince of peace. And of the increase of his government, there's no end. He will rule from shore to shore, from the sea to the ends of the earth. He has power over all principalities and powers. He has power over the visible and the invisible. Hallelujah. Under him, the race problem will be solved. When we say the race problems, we usually think of the whites and the blacks. It's larger than that. We worry about the whites when we are out of terra firma in their land. But when we come here, we divide ourselves into sadness and nordness. And sadness then we divide themselves into accounts and then errors. And we start fighting among ourselves. The race problem is not just between whites and black. It's everywhere. Tribalism is everywhere. It is because something is wrong with us. And you resolve it. He resolved the poverty problem. In the economy of Jesus Christ, there will be no money. Why? Because money is an instrument of poverty. Is everybody here briefing well? Is every here, everybody here briefing? Are you briefing air? Are we exchanging money for that air? Because it, there's an oversupply of air here for all of us. So we don't need money. It is when there is scarcity and choice that you need money to be able to carry out exchange. Therefore, money is an instrument of scarcity or poverty. It's not an instrument of riches. Where there's an abundance of everything for everybody at any time, you don't need money. So in this economy, there will be no money.
the world problem will be solved. There will be no mad men. Like the man who is just throwing bombs all over. There is something called libel, so I don't want to go to the cause, but you know him. Our hope is in what he did, what he's doing, and what he will yet do for us. We have got a future. Don't let anybody say you haven't gotten a future. The future belongs to those who know Jesus Christ because he's the ultimate ruler. We are on the winning side. Come hell or high water. We are on the winning side. Those of us who know Christ are on the winning side. You can take the richest man in the world who does not know Jesus Christ. Multiply his uh, riches by zillions. And try to exchange him with me. I will never accept him. Because what is 70 years, 100 years, 120 years compared to eternity before God? Even a person multiplied by 20% or 10% over eternity is richer than what the richest man over 120 years can have. Unless your mathematics is not working well. Or perhaps your escalator does not go all the way to the top. And our hope will be enforced, upheld by the zeal of the Lord of hosts. We are told who through faith are shielded by God's power. God is the one shielding us. I've never, as, as I age, I accepted the Lord when I was 20 years. Now I'm 69. Next year, God willing, I'll be 70. The older I become, the more I walk with God and see his grace and his love and his mercy. The more I walk chest out towards death. I've lost the fear of death. I became a Christian sitting in a mox because I feared death. Today, death doesn't mean anything to me. Because I know whom I believed that he's able to keep that which I've given unto him until that day. And he has demonstrated it again and again. It is the zeal of the Lord of hosts that shall establish the kingdom of the Prince of Peace. And no other hand will be able to overrule that kingdom or destroy it. It is an everlasting kingdom. And if you belong to that, your hope is a living hope. Amen. What we need to do is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling.
you can know that it is God who gives you the grace to will and to do. No one can pluck you out of his hand, but you have a part to play. Seeing that you have a living hope which cannot be sabotaged by any power or force. We should be living lives that give glory to the Lord. Our spiritual worship will be the subjection of our body to the glory of God. Don't trade yourself short. The transient glories of this earth amount to nothing. It is not as if God is calling you to poverty. He's calling you to grace and to abundance. So watch your life. Don't sell yourself short. What manner of Christian are you? Are you living in the presence of God knowing that the King eternal immortal, invisible, the only God will come back. Are you living in this fear or you are living for yourself? We have a living hope. Let's bow down our heads. Let God speak to you. Some of us have our heads turned the wrong way because a few things have happened in our lives and then we think that is all. So we are forgetting God and depending on men we live in an economy that is not able to generate jobs. So many of us have our eyes fixed on humans. My uncle will do this. My brother said he will do that. Our living hope is Jesus Christ. He answers everywhere. Some of us have somehow shifted away from our hope because the pressures of this earth have mounted upon us and we have wilted and engaged in what we should not engage. You have a living hope. Don't sell yourself short. So talk to God. Talk to God. Many of us are wavering, wondering whether God will come true for you. I can assure you he will come true. For over the 49 to 50 years that I'm serving him, he has come true. Many are the trials, the challenges, the problem, but he will come true. Don't give up your hope. Don't sell yourself short. Father, once again, we are before your throne of grace. 
with hearts of thanksgiving. Because we have been washed, we have been sanctified, we have been cleansed by the power, the blood of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit resides in us. We are precious in your sight. And indeed, God the Father has been made rich because we who were once of the kingdom of darkness have been.